0: Exceeding Expectations, episode 94. Welcome to the podcast where we give you ideas on how you can give better experiences to your customers and enjoy yourself in the process. Today's guest, Kataya Robinson, who is a, a business coach turned life coach. And you'll find out more about what I mean by that during the episode. And she talks about how she's able to help people help her clients help them with their employee relationships planning for the future um, resisting innovation change and and a lot more so that's um, coming up very soon if you do like this episode please share it with someone who could get some some real value from some of uh, the words that um, she shares with us and why not leave a review and subscribe on itunes or one of the other podcast platforms Spotify or, or whatever hope you enjoy this week's show exceeding expectations my guest today is Kezia Robinson how are you Kezia
1: I'm doing well
0: how are you doing I'm pretty good and I'm just happy that I think I got your name right
1: you uh, did indeed you did indeed <laughs>
0: <laughs> and where where is it you are Kezia
1: um, I'm in Arlington, Massachusetts, so I'm just about 10 miles outside of Boston.
0: And how are things there with this whole sort of mad situation that we're facing?
1: It's so interesting because, you know, we tend to adapt as we go. And so uh, I think if in two months ago you had just dropped me in here, I would say it's, it's a ghost town. Uh, but now I've, I've been slowly acclimating to it. But we're doing all right. We have a fantastic medical system. Uh, here in in the Boston area, and people are generally respectful of uh, of the of the rules and, and things like that. So it's under control. But
0: we have had a friend of the
1: family pass, and uh, that was very difficult. It
0: was very I can difficult. imagine. Yeah, sorry to yeah. hear that. And how has it affected your business?
1: Well, I. I I'm an in-room person, so I I work as a a business coach and consultant, and Mm. I love a whiteboard. I love a a strategy session. I love moving people around in a room, so it's been a real shock to my system to to have to shift entirely to virtual. Mm. However, I've built a lot of, um, I'm finding myself building a lot more skill on how to really connect with people and just pick up more subtle clues. And also at, at this time, I've been, because it makes sense with clients, we've been doing more work on what are their personal goals, um, kind of self-regulation, grounding, um, really helping them manage their stress and, and anxiety in order to achieve both personal and professional goals. So I, I think it's been a fantastic learning experience for me, but it was a bit of a shock.
0: And how do you think, so when things get back to, well, I was thinking about using the word normal, I'm not sure if we'll ever get back to what was perceived as normal, but do you have you quite enjoyed doing it sort of via online or would you prefer to go back to how you did it before?
1: I would say yes. To, um, so I'm, what I've come to is that I'm going to have a few days a week where I work from home and really focus on having client interaction and networking interaction in um, over Zoom or the phone. That's a great opportunity for me because I have picked up some clients who are out of region, uh, and so that's an opportunity for me to work with them as well as to do more check-in, more kind of routine maintenance. And then when I'm in the office, save that for things that are much more, we're a lot more uh, hands-on is necessary. Mm-hmm. Same thing I'm actually doing, a having to adapt some workshops and things like that and figure out how to do them virtually, um, mm-hmm. as well as, as, as having them in person. And that allows me to have touch more people and, and have a greater, uh, geographic diversity. So it is what it is.
0: <laughs> and how is it that you actually help people? What is it that you do for them?
1: Well, I always say I'm like a life coach for businesses. So Business owners will come in. The, the way, best way I can describe it is they kind of know that they're they're playing small ball or they're paying, playing the short game. This is these are baseball references, so, and um, we have a group, the Red Sox are you know one of the legendary baseball teams here in Boston. I'm a lifelong fan, but having business owners who come in and they know that there's something beyond what they're doing, there's a strive for greatness, there's a desire to make a great impact. And what I do is really help them just unlock that. And so the life coaching part for the business is, you know, people get divorced Well, business partners don't always get along. Um, mm. You you may have to put down, you know, a, a, your favorite pet. Well, uh, often you have to put down a pet project or, or a product line that's just not working. So there's mm. a lot of emotional content in things that should just be dollars and cents. And I help kind of bring those two together, bring the business elements along with the emotional elements that are necessary to
0: really thrive as a business owner. And is there any sort of particular size business that you tend to work with or is that quite varied? They
1: have been quite varied. I really enjoy working with people who have, I would say, under 50 employees. Um, mm. I work with solopreneurs as well. Um, and I'd like that the business owner or owners, if it's a small group, you know, they know everybody's name. They ha- there's a story there. They can see their employees as people. Mm -hmm. And they can also see kind of how their employees may be contributing or limiting, um, Mm -hmm. the raw potential of the business. So that's, that's something when I've worked with much larger corporations, I found, unless you're just dealing at the very, very top of the stack, like with the CEO or the majority owner, people will always defer to the institution and there's always a sense of, well, we can't do that here. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just, I found that to be for me, I was like, I'm, I'm in the business of transformation. So for my ego, I, I want to see if I want to see, you know, my clients really um, transform in the way that they want to and not have limitations based on being part of a big organization.
0: And I guess, I mean, what you said there, but it's good for you if they know everybody's name. And I, I imagine if they don't know everybody's name, that says something about their character. And maybe is that a character you wouldn't want to work with, for example.
1: Well, typically, um, those types of people don't, I don't get referred because I work almost exclusively through referral. Um, I, I typically do a lot of recon. And so my existing clients or people I've met through networking, um, or through other outreach typically are going to be their people oriented. And so the, the clients that they refer my way are people oriented. Mm -hmm. Often, um, I found that, uh, Business owners, um, usually it's men. I think for cultural and, and socialized reasons, will present as being all about business. You know, I this is an investment. I'm you know how much money is it going to cost to work with you? What's the return I can expect on it? And they'll get very anchored in you know money, money, money. But if I push and peel back and go, well, what's the money for? Oh, well, I'm going to buy a bigger business. Well, what's that money for? What's that money for? There's always something underneath which is about. Uh, being a great man, contributing to the community, really changing the world, and then, for me, it's the process of just saying, "Well, why are we going to spend thirty years between now and then let's get the great man plan going now mm-hmm. um, so i haven't had too many people who are really transactional because they just fail out of the screening
0: process and is there are you sort of working within particular sectors or is it is the industries quite varied as well?
1: Industries are very, um, very diverse. I work with a lot of people who I would say are in trades or professional services of some sort because they typically were very good at a job. Let's say mm. a carpenter. And all of a sudden they have a construct general contracting, you know, construction company with 15 employees mm. and they're victims of their own success. So they get to a scale point and they, they start to struggle to delegate, to struggle to set goals. Beyond the boundaries of you know what they're doing this year, plus you know fifteen percent, they they start to really feel that um, those that tension of wanting to wanting more and not having the skills to do it. Um, so uh, and that's kind of I find that really wonderful. And so that that actually could be a lawyer, like I said, it could be a contractor, a plumber. It's really just going to be someone who's grown into um, running a business kind of by accident, and now they have to figure out how to do
0: it. Well, that, that brings me on to something we, we we were discussing before we started recording about um, misunderstood issues, and you were saying about your industry is not that special. Do you want to tell us about that?
1: <laughs> that sounds so mean. Every you know, I, I always say to people, I'm like, you're a beautiful snowflake. You are also made of water, mm-hmm. and so one of the things that I get a lot with clients is, well, you know, my industry has very specific circumstances, mm-hmm. and I've covered. I come out of the investment business, and I covered. I probably met with a thousand companies in my entire mm. career um, and did in-depth research on several hundred of them. So I can, I can tell you your industry is not that special. One mm. of the big things with clients is they often say, well, you know, um, we have to put up, employees are flaky. You know, people in like restaurants and creative fields will say employees are flaky. A certain percentage of your employees are going to be flaky. And I'll say, well, what's your market share? Mm. Are you Coca-Cola? Like, what's your market share? in mm-hmm. architecture or design or whatever, or trades. And it's like, oh, well, we'll do the math. It's very, very small. And I said, well, does, so everybody, you know, who's also in this field has some good clients and some bad clients. Right. And they're like, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. So I was like, so why can't everyone else have 0. 0.0001 more bad clients and you have a hundred percent great clients. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. something that every single industry, I get, well, that's not possible. And then we go through the math and we go through the work and it starts to become clear that in fact, that is possible. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the biggest, um, freeing up of mental energy for, is to kind of just say, I don't have to do business Mm -hmm. with people who don't value my work, with people who don't share my values, who don't approach the world in the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, you know, it's, it's sort of a a magical moment. Um, it really
0: is. It's, yeah. it's, it's, I find it strange when people decide to work with someone who they know that they're not going to get on with. It's um, strange.
1: Well, it's common. I, I think, especially right now, when you're in um, when ec- when you're when the economy looks uncertain to maybe bad, we tend to think, "Well, I need every dollar I can mm. get." And those dollars, if you I I do work with people on customer profitability and they say, Well let's look at the money, the time, and then we'll look at the mental and emotional energy. Mm -hmm. And people those clients sometimes when you really add it up, they're even before you get to the energy and they're not profitable. Mm -hmm. But um because they don't pay their bills on time and they nickel and dime things and they always ask for extra. But sometimes Mm. they look quite profitable, but when you really get into it, you say, this is puts me in an energy hole. I get off the Mm. phone with that client or that customer, and instead of picking up the phone and calling three more prospects Mm. up, I have to go get a cup of coffee and complain at the water cooler or maybe get a drink, you know, depending on how bad it is. And when you start to really do that math, it's like there's no, this is a negative return. Yeah. And and so don't take a dollar that is that you have to put more than a dollar investment into. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's so yeah, that's so important, I think. And it's um it's just and I in in what I do, I try and help people understand that's the very same thing. I keep telling people, look, that's not your client. They're clearly not your client by the way they've treated you, the way they've, you know, so many reasons. So, yeah.
1: I would say someone else is prince or princess charming. They might not be a bad person. They can still be mm. a bad client. I did have a, to let go of a client who, wonderful person, mm. We're friends, great relationship there, but not really committed to the process and, and not really, I ultimately realized, looking to scale, at the, to really live at a larger scale and i would say if you just want your business to be 10 or 15% better forget the money that you spend on coaching it's the emotional investment the kind mm. of mental work you have to do to really live at a different scale and, and and change the way you're doing business so you can achieve those goals if you only want to be 10 15% better it's not going to be
0: worth the effort mm. um, On the the theme of exceeding expectations, you were telling me about when you were were mistaken for a life coach I'm intrigued by this story. (laughs) Uh,
1: I was out, uh, one of my clients uh, was celebrating their um, five-year anniversary in business, and I had not worked with them the whole time. I can't take credit for that. But uh, it is, um, you know, I think in the States they say about 80% of all businesses fail. Small businesses Mm -hmm. fail before they get to the five-year mark, so it's a really big deal. Mm -hmm. And... I was invited to the party, very honored for that. And then she was introducing me to some other um, other contacts there. And she said, oh, she's like my life coach. <clears throat> and I said, "And I had this moment where I was like, well, that's the the highest compliment. I mean, I made a difference to your life, not just your business. And I used to sort of, when people would say I was a life coach, I go, oh, I, I have life coaches. What is... And... <clears throat> as I've gotten to know more life coaches and as I've grown in my understanding of what it is, I I now take that that's a high compliment because Mm. it really means that I made a difference that is lasting for the Mm. client. So I, I love being now I'm, I I encourage people to call me a life coach.
0: And what would you say? Is it just simply a mindset issue in, in the coach as to the difference between a, a business coach and a life coach or is it more than that?
1: I would say it's a, a focus, so not necessarily mindset. There are plenty of business coaches who will be um, more kind of frou frou meditation. All of the things we think of very like woo woo kind of you know kumbaya mm-hmm. elements, and life coaches who are quite structured and systematic. And here's my five si- five steps to to personal success or to happiness. I think a lot of it's just the focus. So when I come in with my new clients, I'll say, let's, we're going to look at a personal goal and we're going to look at a professional goal. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, for business owners, the professional goal will be, uh, about the business. Often it also, the personal goal might be some, I have one buying a house. And so part of it was like, let's talk about what the house looks like, get invested, emotionally invest in the house. So you can get up with a, a revenue target that is going to make it possible for you to have that house that dream house and bring that revenue target back to the business because she was at a place where she was generally okay everything was seemed okay and it was like well but this this goal of having this personal goal is is above and beyond what you're going to be able to achieve with the business right now so sometimes i will work with someone in that way but um gener- you know if if you have nothing but life goals like you don't have a business you're not looking to start a business you're not looking to uh, to grow the business that you have, then I'm likely to refer you to um, to another coach because that's just going to be a better fit. I'm always going to be kind of itching to to help you start a business.
0: <laughs> and, and as a, as a coach, how do you how are you able to surpass what your clients expect? What what sort of things do you do?
1: Well, one thing is that I don't. I mean, I, I sort of. I used to, you know, don't, I don't set expectations low, um, Mm -hmm. because I'm very clear with them. And I think this is something that all, that separates sort of coaching from consulting. And I, and I do both and blend them together, but is that this is their process that they, I'm here to help, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's their problems to solve. It's their goals to achieve. It's their business to run, their life to live. And what I do is really just show them, I reflect back and say, this is the the potential I see, right? I believe in you and here's the level to which I know you can get. And so it's almost as if I, my, what I'm doing here is setting them in a place where they exceed their own expectations. Mm -hmm. And. And it'll be weird because sometimes I don't know what it is and, and it, often people will say something like, Wow, it will it'll come in a weird moment. We'll be doing something that I consider consider to be quite pedestrian, um, but it's really a big deal. Um mm-hmm. I had a client where you know we we're talking about networking and outreach um in this time and, and how to handle that. And it was like I was like, Well, how many people could you reach out to, new prospects and things like that? And the response was like, mm, maybe one this week. And of course, the part of me that's like the consultant would go, what do you mean one this week? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but at the same time, I had the coach part was like, okay, one this week. And then what came back was two, right? Mm-hmm. And it was an, ex- and they went better than she And there might be some opportunity for collaboration. So I'm really and I think that I exceed my own expectations by helping my clients exceed their expectations for themselves. And I don't worry so much about what their expectations were for me because um,
0: then I get too wrapped up in my own
1: head. So,
0: and, and on that, what you just said about exceeding your own expectations, how do you, are you always sort of trying to stay ahead of the game and looking at new techniques, maybe being coached yourself and what, what do you do?
1: Well, I'm, yeah, I'm being coached myself. I've had two coaches, um, and I I, I I don't want to say sound snobby, but I don't really trust a coach who's never had coaching. You might be mm-hmm. in a point where you're not getting it right now, but it's really important to know what it's like to be on the other side of the table, especially with things like accountability, which is one of the really the strongest things that you, you can support people with as a, being a coach, is to understand what it's like to be on the other side and and have a goal that you actually really want, and yet you're still struggling to do the work to achieve it because yeah. if you haven't lived through that, you can't really have the empathy and the compassion from the client on the other side. So I really, and I, so I have a coach, I do professional development, I'm involved Um in a lot of different associations, I network with a lot of other coaches. I go to other people's workshops. I always, um, I, I ask first, but I pretty much I'll steal anything. If it's with what you're doing is working, I want to bring it to my client base. And likewise, if what I'm doing is working, I want you to take that out. There's plenty of business for all of us. And it's really about all of us raising the game together.
0: And what you said at the start there, it actually is such a good point. If Probably, if someone, you know, anyone listening who is approached by a coach who doesn't have a coach themselves, that's that's probably a big warning sign. Maybe that's not a person to work with.
1: Yeah, and and I would also ask them, you know, ask them to to share with you the experience. And and sometimes people have they're certified, they're very focused on a specific type of coaching and a specific set of techniques. And Mm. even then, you can say, well. Have, you know, if they're describing that as an asset, you may say, well, have you been through that coaching? And have you been through other coaching? Right? Mm-hmm. To see whether they're sampling a diverse kind of repertoire. Um, but I, I do think that it's really important to work with somebody who has, who understands the difference between coaching and consulting and, mm-hmm. or between coaching and training. And so it's important to really test out when you're engaging with a coach is, is you no, know, does it fit? Do you feel comfortable with this person? Because it will get personal. And then do they are they describing how they're going to help you source your own solutions and you kind of build your path? Or are they just saying, here's what I suggest you do? Um, mm. And a, a great example I have of that is is one of the reasons, the biggest reasons that um, startups fail and in general the businesses fail, is a lack of product market fit. So you made a product. The market doesn't want, right? So that's mm. that's typically why people fail. Mm. And I've had when a client comes in, it's like, well, I don't know which one matters more to you. Like, mm. do you care more about serving this market or do you care more about this product? Mm. And if I am an advisor, I may and you're not hitting your goals or a consultant you can hire a consultant they'll come in and say well the market is more attractive you should change the product or vice versa and an advisor will say in my experience this is, the truth is it really just matters which one's more important to you and I have a, a startup client who's just a, amazing talking about exceeding her own expectations she just you know constantly levels up I mean I remember at one point she she was like well I, I got a, a chemical engineer and I was like oh where did that go? Oh, I just, I found somebody in the Ukraine and I did the background research, da, 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 da. and then we're doing this. So I'm ordering, I found a factory in China. How did oh, I start calling factories in China? You know, someone who, when she first came in was like, I don't know anything about business. I don't know how mm-hmm. to do this. I need to raise capital. I need to find people to help me. And all of a sudden it's like, I'm bootstrapping. I mean, she got cancer in the middle of it, like, and was still working through, working through. And so mm-hmm. the there's a there's um, a I think that energy around someone who's really exceeding their own expectations. And she knew very much that she wanted to serve a specific market. Mm. And that was something, and she has a product that might serve other markets, but she's really, really f- fixed on the market that she wants to serve. And mm. that has really kept her focus and allowed her to, to really take this business. She got through her Kickstarter campaign. I mean, it's it's been amazing to watch.
0: We sort of touched upon before about misunderstood issues. So, as a coach, what other things maybe do people misunderstand? Well,
1: I, I touched a little bit on the misunderstanding what even what the coaching is, um, and mm. that idea uh, that that solutions exist without outside of you, um, mm. and that they don't come from within. And a big one that I get is is people tend to anchor on the answer, the path, the approach. And I'm always in there going, that's an answer. That's Mm. an approach. That's a solution. And that what you're trying to do is figure out if this is the best one for you to pursue right now. Mm. But it is always just a solution or a path, a product strategy. And Mm. that is something that can be really hard because there's a tendency then to resist information that that contradicts it, that your business your strategy isn't working. Well, it mm-hmm. must be that the customers don't understand.
0: Yeah.
1: And as opposed to saying, "Okay, this is a strategy. It was it seemed mm-hmm. the best one when we went into it." But what is the new information that we're getting? And mm-hmm. how do we want to respond to that? And so that's part of the I would say the consulting angle is for me is, is to kind of help them sift through what information is coming in and and kind of, you know, suggest maybe more market research is needed. However, if they're really sure that there's, it's not clear one way or other and they're really sure this is the right strategy and the market will come to them, then that's the coaching part is supporting them and manifesting that in bringing that market to fruition.
0: How do you, with the, the clients that you've worked with over the, you know, over the number of years you've been doing this, how, um, I mean, failure is, is quite an important, it's quite useful in, in many ways to, mm-hmm. to sort of kind of push on and to learn from how do do you find a real big difference in the way people respond to failure
1: yeah I I always try to separate it from saying um are you you know there's the instead of being an epic failure you want to be an epic failure like if Mm. you're going to fail Mm. it should be because you know you had a you took a path and it wasn't the right path, but you don't, what it is, is it's the, it's sort of the failing without understanding what, why they were failing. A lot of times with the, when someone's failing, it's because they don't really want the goal. Right. they've set some goal that isn't really theirs. It, it's it's a voice in their head. It's it's an S societal expectation. It's what they saw a, a Ted talk about and they thought that's what the goal should be. Um, mm-hmm. Often people have these, I call them hologram goals. It's like, I want to have a $5 million business. And it's like, well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It sounds good at cocktail parties, but then like when you get mm-hmm. close to it, it doesn't actually mean anything. So yeah. Um, I, I find that that it's really that deconstructing. and then there's a lot of transformation. often people think that they failed when um, I had a, a woman that I worked with who had a lot of family pressure to go into medicine. and so she had um, but she had a, an interest in in finance. And so she had kind of, Gone and done some work in finance and had some success there, but then gotten a lot of family pressure, and so she'd ultimately like gone very far down the path of getting to medical school. And she said to me, she says every time I take the MCAT, my score got worse. How is that possible? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you are so determined, you are really because focus is one of her great and determination were some of her great strengths. I said the universe had to smack you upside the head repeatedly before you would realize that you didn't want to be a doctor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that was something that I was like, so of course your scores got worse and worse. You weren't listening. Mm. So you had to, so I was like, imagine if you applied that towards the goals that you have towards the things you actually want. And Mm. I was turning around for her that idea that she's a failure into this idea that, no, like you're really, really
0: good at failing Mm. at things you don't want. Yeah. (laughs) And that's a very different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. What would um on again going back to sort of exceeding expectations? Can you think of any situations, experiences where you've been on the receiving end of something that you just that way went way beyond what you were expecting?
1: Yeah, I had a wonderful um, trip to uh, to Milan actually last year, um, which is obviously things have been so tough in Italy and especially in northern Italy. But mm-hmm. went with uh, several friends, and we stayed. At, we we rented a, a, a place, a short term rental and we got in and it was it was lovely but it looked like the pictures right you know but the mm-hmm. it was a mother daughter team who were running mm-hmm. it and they came and they brought treats and they this and they were talking with such passion and care about mm-hmm. how they painted it how they loved this place how they were enjoyed working together the, the the daughter was you know practicing english and there was this just palpable energy of like love and attention inside this space and there was and that was something where you you know we get used to interacting having very transactional interactions mm-hmm. with people where you know hey i have this uh, rental property and i this and that and i fix it up and even if it's a, a wonderful lovely experience it's not mm-hmm. the same as as having someone really give you that window into mm-hmm. What they love and to show how they were kind of their relationship. They were engaging in business, right? And they had goals of, of buying a bunch of more properties and things like that. But they were, mm-hmm. they were engaging in business, um, with though that love for each other and the love for the product and for engaging with the people coming in. And so that was an experience where sometimes we lose sight of how you can really have a very intense, um, in something that seems like a pure commodity and that they were i would recommend anybody go to them i would say don't even check another place right go there first um and it was all
0: because of that come on let's let's what's the name of it and where were where, they do you remember the name of the
1: i'll have to look it up it was in chinatown um, okay. and it was, uh, and, um, I think she was named Daniela. I, 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 have to, I have emails for them, so I'll go look it up. I'll, Unfortunately, I'll, yeah. no one is going to visit anytime soon,
0: but. <laughs> yeah, if you send it to me, I'll put that in the show notes. So oh, anyone yeah, who, who is interested and they can, they can put that. I've been to Milan a few times. It's quite a great, lovely place. Yeah. Um,
1: what,
0: what does the phrase exceeding expectations mean to you?
1: I always think so I come out of um, the jewish I'm Jewish come out of the Jewish kind of tradition and one of the things about it um, is in the sort of hierarchy of of charity there's it's sort of the the principle of you know give a give a man to fish and give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day mm-hmm. teach him how to fish and he'll eat forever and I really think when I think of exceeding expectations it is about teaching other people mm-hmm fish, giving them energy that they can then replicate for themselves. And even with thinking about that time in Milan, having that experience of somebody just making your whole trip, Mm. every moment of you being outside more more positive. It rained, it did this, it didn't matter Mm. because we had started with so much positive energy. So Mm. I really think that exceeding expectations is that. It's really helping Set other people up for success.
0: Right, okay. If, if people want to find out more about you, where would be the best places to look? Um,
1: a great place to find me is on LinkedIn. I believe that uh, if you search for Casia Robinson, I'm probably going to show up at the top. I, I'm not even sure there's another one in there. Um, there are other Casia Robinsons in the world. But you can also um, come through my website. That's www.cassia-partners.com. <laughs> And I'm on Facebook, but it's always easiest to find me on LinkedIn or through okay. my website.
0: And do you, is there a book you often recommend to people?
1: I love um, the Big Leap by Kay Hendricks.
0: Mm-hmm. And why is that? It,
1: the central tenet of it is that you know we um, we have he calls it the upper limit problem that when we begin to test the boundaries of what we've what we've done before. We start to cut back and sabotage ourselves, and there's a bunch of reasons for it, but I really think of, of that as, as to the point of failing and failure, is that when you start to notice something slipping, is you go back and you go, what, what success was I having that triggered this? And how could I deal with that success in a different way? Instead of trying to mean revert, um, how could I just keep shifting that
0: upper limit and moving higher and higher? And, and finally do you have a is there a quote that you quite like
1: yeah um,
0: I think well you've got a couple haven't you I do I?
1: I do I can't <laughs> pronounce anybody's names but um, <laughs> so I like this one it's uh, discovery consists of seeing what everybody has seen and thinking what nobody has thought mm. that's from Albert von Sens Jorgi, I think yeah. Hungarian maybe and the other one is the more original a discovery, the more obvious it seems afterwards
0: like mm-hmm. Arthur
1: Kessler. And that's to that point of exceeding expectations. Is when you look back, you go, well, I you know, it wasn't exceeding expectations. That was where we should have been going.
0: Mm. Well, I really appreciate you sharing um, yeah, some great stories of us and some great knowledge as well. Some great wisdom. As well as as well.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Next week, episode 95 is with David Heiner, and we'll be traveling to Birmingham in the middle of England, and David is very—he's a he's a renowned speaker. He's spoken all around the world for, for many years now, and he's a fascinating speaker. He's really captivating, quite humorous, but really has some quite you know, profound stuff that he talks about, and we're really going to find out a lot more about goal-setting and massive goals and if you've ever heard the phrase smart goals he's going to give a very different take on that so that's next week's episode with David Heiner hope you've enjoyed this week's show please do share it with anyone who could get some real value from what was shared with us Uh, subscribe leave a review and I hope you have a great week